Well, good morning. I'm Jeff, one of the pastors. I'm grateful to be here, to be together and be in the Word this morning. Are you having a good morning so far? Worth it so far? So good? She does sound like Demi Moore, doesn't she, when she talks right now? Linda's a little sick. She's got Demi Moore on keyboards. Way to go. How many of you guys got that cold this winter? Isn't that amazing? A ton of people got it. It was awful. And uh, so bless you, honey, for leading. Thanks for doing that. We're in the series called Formed. This is fun, this series. I love this series. We're gonna, we'll review again a little bit in just a minute because I just keep wanting you not to miss what it is we're doing and why it is we're doing it. Last week, we actually came, went and talked about the, the experience of being formed by worship and having a, a, even a week of worship. So I hope some of you engaged with that concept. This morning, we're gonna be talking about the, the idea of being uh, formed in, in something called a spiritual friendship, a spiritual friendship. There's all kinds of friendships. I love the concept of friendship. I think friendship is a great concept because there's all kinds of friendships and every one of them is filled with its own kind of joy and experiences and activity. And uh, there's all kinds of different friendships when you think about it. You have old friendships. When you think about like your best friend from growing up, you could still picture who that person is, right? They're kind of iconic in your mind. There's two or three, maybe a little gang Little thugs, you and your little posse. You got a couple of those people in your mind, you're like, that guy. I remember that guy or those girls. Those, they, they were so fun. Mine's David Barnes. I can picture David Barnes, and he still has his teeth missing. When I see him, I'm like, how come you have teeth? You know, you're not five anymore. Uh, we have all these old friends. Some, some of them we keep in touch with, some of them we don't keep in touch with, but it's still even just their memories, there's this sense of joy from those old friendships, like they could be friends now. I had a great experience a year ago, May, we were up in Sacramento at uh, a conference together, the leadership team and our pastoral team went up and went to this conference together. And, um, and the Lakuses were with us and uh, you, some of you know Kelly and Adrian, and they had connected with a, a friend and a, and a business associate up in Sacramento who was at the conference as well and invited him to dinner with us. And he walked in the room and they're like, this is our friend, Dean. And I immediately felt like this is a guy who I could be friends with. You know, you know that experience? I mean, I, it was even more than that. It was a tad embarrassing. Like I, my, I had this instant bromance for him. It was this, but the weird thing was it was like love at first sight. Like I thought, how the heck do I feel so warm toward this guy? And I'm like, oh, nice to meet you. What do you do? And he was telling us about, you know, how he knows Kelly and, and, and Adrian. And, and uh, he's talking to us. And inside I'm like, how is it that I have such a warmth for this guy? Well, sure enough, it turns out that 28 years ago, we were on a ministry team together in Southern California, where I, was, I lived and worked for one year, and we were on a team uh, of Love and High School students together, and I had forgotten him, but the warmth inside was still there and was this impression. Isn't that weird? Like, just laying eyes on the guy 28 years later, and, and he has less hair, so I shouldn't have recognized him, but I... It just was there. Friendship's an amazing thing. Just the various levels of friendship we have, all full of joy, all full of activity, old friends, new friends. We have Facebook friends. It's a whole different kind of friend. I used to joke, now, when I wasn't on Facebook, I used to joke, I used to go like, no, actually, I have real friends. That's what I used to call them. But Facebook friends are real friends. They're just a certain kind of friend that you have on Facebook, right? We have work friends. And we got brand new friends. Art and Brenda always, when Art and Brenda go on vacation, Pastor Art, they always make friends. I go on vacation to get away from my friends. That's how I do it. And like they plan their vacation around making new friends, which is just stupid. But the funny thing is, is when I mock them, when I mock them about it, Linda, my wife, says to me, what are you talking about? Every time we go on vacation, you make friends. And I'm like, I know, but I don't have to. It's a different thing. I just like, I, 
It just happens to me. My kids are like, seriously, do you have to be friends with them? And I'm like, I don't have to be friends with them, but it happens. I go up, I've been going skiing by myself every couple of weeks. I'll go skiing by myself all day. I'm like, don't talk to me. I put my headphones in and I just, people get on the chairlift and they go, hey, and I go, and I just grunt, you know? And uh, just stay away from me. And uh, I always come back with a new friend from skiing, even though I try not to. Because you end up talking and then you end up engaging with people. I just love it. I just love the concept of friendship, whether they're old or new or all kinds of different levels of friendship. But Christians through the ages have practiced what's actually a spiritual discipline, a spiritual practice, where they have invested themselves in what can be called a spiritual friendship. In some forms, it could be called a spiritual director or spiritual directorship. It could be just fellowship, as we use that term rather loosely. But this idea that there are Christian friendships, spiritual friendships that actually form us, that change us because of that relationship. And this is the idea of this this sermon series called Formed. Let me do a quick review again. Formed is about spiritual formation. The overall idea being that we are changed, that we can be changed. We're not stuck as to who we are. We're not the final version of who we are, but that God is changing us. Here's the definition of spiritual formation. Change that comes from the inside out as the Holy Spirit is constantly at work. He's always working to shape us into the image of Jesus. I hope you're not growing tired of this review, these reviews, but these definitions. I want you to understand where we're going, what we're doing with all this. The idea is that we can be formed, that we can change, and that the Holy Spirit is always working to change us from the inside out into the image of Jesus. We're being transformed from one state of glory into the further and increasing glory we preached a few weeks ago. If you missed uh, some of these sermons and, and want to go back to kind of the, the foundational one, three weeks ago, Spiritual Formation 101, you can go look it up on our website and catch that introductory series uh, of sermon in the series. So that's what spiritual formation is. And God has graciously given us these spiritual practices, spiritual practices where God does change us. Spiritual practices or spiritual disciplines, here's the definition again. They're intentional ways of acting or living, intentional ways of acting or living, which set us before God, that put us in the presence of God, put us in the stream of God, get us in the way of God, so that the Holy Spirit can do his transforming work in us. God has given us spiritual practices that when we do these things, we actually get right into the the presence of God so the Holy Spirit can do his work. And we've talked about a few. Art preached on, this, on the discipline of silence, where we're quiet and still and we let God be God and let him fight our battles and we stop solving all our own problems and keeping God out of it. God, Art talked about fasting and we entered into this series of this Lenten season and many of us are doing a Lenten fast. How's that going? You doing well? You doing all right? This is literally what I heard the other day on my day off. This is literally what I heard from the other side of the house. Okay, I was actually in the bathroom, and this is what I heard from the other side of the house from my bride. I want sugar! That's what I heard. Like, screamed it out loud. So I hope everybody's doing okay. Your marriages are being protected through the, the Lent. Fasting is a spiritual practice. It's a way of living which sets us before God so the Holy Spirit can transform us. It's a way of giving up some things we've grown attached to so that we reminds us at 2.30 in the afternoon when we crave that sugar that God is what we're really longing for in our hearts. And last week I talked about worship, the spiritual practice of worship. 
spiritual practice of worship, of rehearsing the truth of who God is and what he has done so that it reminds us to lean into all that is deepest and truest. Okay, everybody up to speed? You with me on all this? This is what we are. We're, do, we're talking about formation. We're talking about the practices that put us in the place where the Holy Spirit can form us. And this morning, I want to talk about the pra- this practice of spiritual friendship, as I alluded to. But let's look at a definition. What is it? What is the practice of spiritual friendship? It is intentionally committing to walk the journey of life with a friend in such a way that you help each other. I'm going to go back. It's intentionally committing. It's an intentional commitment. It's an intentionality. It's a plan. It's a strategy. It's doing something on purpose. Intentionally committing to walk the journey of life with a friend. Now, that sounds a lot less like a science, and it should be. It should sound like less than a science. It's more of a life. We're going to walk the journey of life with a friend, but we're going to walk it in such a way that we help each other. This reciprocal relationship. And what are we helping each other do? We're helping each other engage with the presence and the work of God. We're going to reflect on and engage with the presence and the work of God. We're going to be thinking about where's God in this? We're going to be reflecting on where's God in this? We're going to be engaging in the concept and in the conversation of where God is at work and what he might be up to and how he might be trying to speak to us. Sound like an okay definition? Intentionally committing to walk the journey of life with a friend in such a way that you help each other engage, reflect on and engage with God and his work in your life. This is what spiritual friendship is. You kind of walk through life, but you parse it together. And you parse it by saying, well, wait a minute, God is sovereign and God is good and God is with us and God is present, so where is he in this thing? What do you think this means for us? It's asking those kinds of questions. One definition I read said this, it takes up the concrete daily experience of our lives, concrete daily experience of our lives, and it gives them sacramental significance. It takes the daily concrete activities of our lives and it gives them sacramental significance. Sacramental means the mysterious presence of God is embedded in it. So when we say, how's work to a buddy over coffee? And they go, lousy. And we go, I know. How about those Niners? We stop and we go, a spiritual friendship takes that how's work and recognizes that in the reality, the everyday reality in which we're living, there's a presence of God, there's a work of God, there's a word of God, there's a spiritual essence to what's happening in the midst of our concrete life. I'm sick, I'm in a bad mood, my kid's struggling, all of those things become sacramental. The presence of God is in them and we help each other reflect on it. You with me? Go like this and I'll keep going through my sermon. That's what practice of spiritual friendship is. And it's different than our everyday notion of friendship, isn't it? It's different than sort of all the different kinds of ways. I got new friends on the, I got, you know, we got cruise friends. We got friends on the ski slopes. I got new friends. I got old friends that I never talked to. I got, you know, it's different than that. It's different than our Facebook friends. It's some intentional commitment to walk together. Do you know the average number of people, uh, who, or the average number of friends people have on Facebook nowadays? You know what it is? 338. This is 2014. Uh, in 2014, the average number of uh, Facebook users at 300 and, what did I say? 338 friends. Unless you're 18 to 24, then you have 649 friends. 
which means you do not know half of them. You can't even begin. Social science research has talked about, and I, and I literally forgot the name, and, I, and I, this morning I meant to go to my notes and find it and put it in my sermon notes, and I couldn't find it, but I think it's called the Dunbar number, but it's D something. It's a social scientist. Steve, do you know this at all? This is my scientist friend. Uh, social science has revealed that human beings can conceptualize about between 100 and 200 relationships, people in their life, people like that you can conceive of those are individual humans in your life, between 100 and 200. The number is usually just rounded out to about 150. It's called the Dunbar number. So meaning you kind of have 150 people in your life max. That's what you can handle. But truthfully, you can really only engage with and have enough relational, emotional connection with between 12 and 15, and that includes your immediate family members. Which is really fascinating if you think of something, think about it, right? I mean, I have four children, that's six. I got Art and Ben, they're like two each, that's another four, that's 10. <laughs> I'm up to 10 out of my 12 to 15, right? And so when we think of having 649 friends, there's just no way, there's no way you can engage in a meaningful way with those folks. Well, of course not, but it's fun to see their babies and their vacations, and how much better their life is than yours. And so that's what we do. <laughs> but the idea of a spirit, or the practice of a spiritual friendship is saying within that 12 to 15, we're not talking about I got 649 friends. We're not talking I have 338 friends. We're not talking about I have 12 to 15 friends in my life. We're talking about the fact that I've intentionally committed to maybe one or two out of that 12 to 15. Maybe it's three or four that I'm going to walk life with so that the concrete daily things get lifted to sacramental significance, that we live with such a way and engage with, with each other in such a way that we help each other see God and see where God is at work. And you can see now why it's called a spiritual discipline, right? Because it's easy to have 649 friends, but very difficult to engage in such an intentional way. And yet, Christians throughout the ages have seen this as absolutely necessary to being shaped, to being formed by God, that we need those people in our lives. Interesting, the Dunbar number is, and that's probably the name, unless some of you have Googled it already, if that's the wrong name, Dunner, Dun something, Dunsmuir, Dun. That number, 150, 100 to 200. It's interesting that the average size church in America, do you know the average size church in America, how big it is? 150. It could be built into us. That beyond that, I can't, I kind of get lost. That's why we continue to encourage you to connect in smaller ways because we're beyond that number. And so it's easy to come in here and feel alone, isn't it? It's a big giant room full of people. You can't connect with all those people. Your brain doesn't do it. So spiritual practice of, uh, practice of spiritual friendship connects us. It will help us get formed. Now, let me read a scripture for you because I want to talk about how it forms us. And here is a scripture that I just think is the best scripture. I love this scripture around um, the idea of connecting with one another. It's Psalm 133, and I've talked about it a couple of times, referred to it in different sermons over the years. But Psalm 133, the title of it is called, it's, called, it's one of the songs of ascents, which I'm going to mention later, uh, Psalm of David. And it says this, how good and pleasant it is. When God's people live together in unity, where God's people live together in unity, it's like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down on the collar of his robe. 
It is as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion, for there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. And I'm aware that the pictorial, and that's the whole psalm. By the way, if you want to memorize a whole psalm, there's three verses. You can do that one. It's short. I understand how, how, how pictorial that is, how metaphorical this is. And I want to parse it a little bit, but it's really a, a, beautiful, a beautiful answer to the question of how does this practice of spiritual friendship form us? How does it form us? There's a couple of things I see in here. One, it, we're formed because we're, we experience the richest and the deepest things in life together. Spiritual friendship causes us to experience the richest and the deepest things in life when we're together. Verse 1 of Psalm 133 says how good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. Where God's people live together in unity. My old version said when brothers live together in unity, because that was the original Hebrew word, and appropriately we're making that a little more of an inclusive language, but it, maybe it would be better than to say when brothers and sisters live together in spiritual unity. It's not just when God's people, it's when people that are linked together like family the closeness of a brother. And when you see in the scriptures, you have this, the frequency of this brotherly love word in the scriptures. This idea of unity or brotherly love helps, is about how we're, when we're linked together to help us see God. It's, it's that idea of spiritual partnership that I've been trying to talk about, of spiritual friendship. And, and the scripture says that it's good and it's pleasant because we experience the richness of it, the deepness of it. This is partly how it forms us, that it's just so good. What does that mean? We share the best stuff in life. Spiritual friendships share the best and the deepest and the richest things. You know the difference, don't you? We get together with our family reunions. This isn't on the internet, is it? When we get together with our family reunions and there are some that share a deep faith in Christ, there's this richness in that relationship. The other, the other relationships are rich, but they're not that rich. Do you know what I mean? There's a depth, there's a commonality, there's at the core of our being, there's something happening where the best things in life we share together. That's how it's good and pleasant when brothers and sisters live together in unity because we share the best stuff in life. This psalm is interesting to me because it's called a psalm of ascents. And the psalm of ascents means it's a group of psalms in the, in the um, uh, there's like 15 psalms that are, were practiced, they were sung, they were chanted when God's people met together for their high points spiritually. These were their pilgrimages to Jerusalem. So three times a year it was like they went on retreat together as a church. All the people gathered from all over the place and they got together to go to Jerusalem for these ceremonies, for these festivals. It was their high point spiritually. And these psalms were the psalms that they sang and read and rejoiced over. Okay, So this is their worship music as they met together for retreat, so to speak. They went to Jerusalem for their annual feasts. Now think about that for a minute. How good and rich it is. Because we experience this deepest things together. They were experiencing the highest point of their year together. They were experiencing, they were like, this is the best weekend of our lives this year because we're getting to do these great things. What were they doing? Well, in the spring, they went to Jerusalem for the Passover. The Passover was celebrating their salvation from God, that while they deserved punishment and the wrath of God for their sin, God covered them with the blood of the lamb and they're forgiven. They celebrate their 
their salvation in Passover? Well, they were experiencing a, 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 and, and, and sharing together their common rescue. There was a common rescue in there. 50 days later, they went back for Pentecost. This was a, a celebration of the Feast of Harvest where they had this worldview that God would come through and bring what they needed. And there was a common reliance that they shared. They're sharing the best things in life. A common rescue, a common reliance on God. Doesn't this sound like your deepest relationships with other brothers and sisters in Christ? A common rescue, a common reliance. And then in the fall, they went back for the Feast of Tabernacles, which celebrated the time when they were in the wilderness and um, how God in that place led them through the, the, those 40 years in the wilderness. They celebrate the common relationship that they have with God. There's a common rescue, there's a common reliance, and there's a common relationship, a walk with God that God's people can share deeply and uniquely and significantly and richly. How does it form us, this practice of spiritual friendship, that when we're together, we share, experience the richness and the depth of this rescue and reliance and relationship with God? And so, we're reminded, we're reflecting, we're reaffirming, that's it, you're right, that's what life's about, and that's what I want. And when I'm with you, my spiritual friend, you remind me of it, and I become that person even more. I keep forgetting who I really am. I keep forgetting that I'm rescued. I keep forgetting that I'm relying on God. I keep forgetting that I walk with God and have a relationship with God, but you remind me of that. The greatest compliment, one of the greatest compliments I've ever experienced, I still remember because of the person it came from, who's somebody I really respect, it's another pastor in our denomination, and because I can remember where I was standing in a hotel in Chicago when he spoke the words to me, he said, Jeff, when I get near you, it makes me want to love Jesus more. Right? I'll never forget that because I want to be that kind of a spiritual friend. But that's a good picture of the practice of spiritual friendship. We're celebrating and experiencing the deepest things, and it calls us into those things, and so it forms us. I mean, I have all kinds of friends. I got running friends. I remember having friends on my kids' team. You know the, you know the other parents on your kids' team friends? That's the kind of friendship that you have. I have neighbor friends, I have taqueria friends, my friends that work at the taqueria, I have my work friends, etc. I have all kinds of friends and they're all rich and they're all good, but, they're, but those friends don't share the deepest and the richest things of God on this journey. And we're formed by those things. How does it form us? We experience this richness. I love that text. How good and pleasant it is when brothers and sisters live this thing out. Second, we experience the richest and deepest things in life together because the Holy Spirit shows up in the friendship. Because the Holy Spirit shows up through that friendship. That's why we're experiencing it so deeply, because the Holy Spirit actually comes. All spiritual practices, remember, are where we put ourselves in a place, a way of living or an activity that we put ourselves into where we get in the way of the flow of the Holy Spirit so he can do his thing. We get in the midst of it. And spiritual friendships, that's what happens. In a spiritual friendship, the Holy Spirit shows up in a sacramental way so that with just being in that friendship, man, God has access to you. Look at verse 2 of the psalm that we read. Verse 2. 
Remember it said how good and pleasant it is when these brothers and sisters live together in unity? And then it's like this. It's like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard. He was the first priest of God. Down on the collar of his robe. Can you picture it? It's just an oily, sticky mess. It's a little out of control. Here's the key. Spiritual friendship is inviting God to show up. Two pictures in verse two of God showing up. One, God comes in this outpouring of the Holy Spirit. That's the symbol of oil. Oil in the scriptures is a symbol of the Holy Spirit coming. And he's saying when brothers and sisters live together in this practice of spiritual friendship, of unity, when brothers and sisters live like that, it's like oil being poured out. And not just being poured out, but but being poured out on his head and running down his beard, running down Aaron's beard and down the collar of his robe like it's out of control and it's all over. It's a sloppy mess. God's Holy Spirit shows up in these spiritual friendships in an overwhelming way is what it's trying to say. It just is. It's how God built it. He's like, you want to get in the way of my Holy Spirit? Get a spiritual friend and reflect and remind each other about our common relationship and rescue and and reliance on God. And the Holy Spirit's going to come. It's going to shape you going to overflow. So that's one, one of the pictures is just in this idea of oil. But you can't miss in that verse too, there's this, this picture of Aaron, who's a priest. It's like precious oil running down, poured on the head, running down the beard, running down Aaron's beard, it says, and then down the collar of his robe. Why did he bring Aaron into it? Because of this. God shows up not just in the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, but God shows up, ready, in the anointing of his priest. There is a priest-like atmosphere to your friendships, your spiritual friendships. Aaron was anointed with this sacred oil in the scriptures. You can read it in Exodus 30 today. It would be really fun for you to read that text. Second half of Exodus 30, Aaron was anointed with this sacred oil. It was called the precious oil. And that's what you see in the, in the verse this, uh, of chapter 2. It's like precious oil. It's like this sacred oil. It's like this special oil. God made this special oil to anoint the priest. He said, special oil. Don't use it on anybody else. Don't just put it on any old, old guy's body. Just don't like just oil up people for no good reason. This is for Aaron. This is for the priest. This sets him apart as something unique. And this oil, Aaron, that was for Aaron. But we, friends, as God's people, First Peter says it, have become a holy priesthood to one another. We are God's people, a holy priesthood for one another. We become priest-like to one another. What does a priest do? They're set apart to serve God by bringing people into God's presence and declaring and proclaiming God's mercy and forgiveness. They invite people into God's presence and declare what is true about God, his mercy and his forgiveness. And they help people see what is true about God. And so when we live in the practice of spiritual friendship, then it's like we're living as priests to one another. We're saying, let me invite you in for God is in this place. Let me remind you through our actions together and our symbols together that God is present and that what we know about him is true. So we act like priests to one another. We go, let me invite you into God's presence. Let's take the concreteness of your everyday life and let me invite you, bring it into God's presence. We live as priests to one another. Isn't that a beautiful picture? I love that thought. And the scriptures, if you kind of study these priests who are anointed, when the priest blesses God's people through his anointing, 
the Holy Spirit falls in power. You can read it in Leviticus chapter 9. When Aaron stood up and gave his, his priestly blessing to God's people, it said fire fell and consumed his offerings, and the people saw the glory of God and fell down their fa- on their faces and worshipped. The priest ushered in the presence of God to that relationship. And that's what we get to do. How does it form us? It's because the Holy Spirit shows up. The Holy Spirit just comes, and he comes partly because we're priests for one another. And third, and when he shows up, he brings life and blessing. He brings blessing and life, the scripture says. When the Holy Spirit shows up, he brings God's abundant life and power. Verse 3 of the text says, it's as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion. You're like, I don't know what that means. (laughs) It's as if the dew of the high places, the places up there where the refreshment in the cool temperate air, it's the dew that is so abundant up on the mountaintops. It's as if that were down here in the dry, parched lowlands. When we get together in spiritual uh, friendship, the Holy Spirit gets poured out and then it's like the blessings of heaven get brought down to the everyday dryness of the valley where we live. Is that not good? It's like the blessing of heaven, a piece of heaven gets brought down to earth. It's like all of God's refreshment and sustaining power that you would expect at the highest places also get brought down to the lowest places where we often find ourselves in daily life. It's like the dew of Hermon gets brought down to Zion. It's like heaven gets brought down to earth. It's like the highest times the joy of that gets experienced even in our lowest times. For there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life everlasting. God saves people through spiritual friendship because he brings blessing and sustaining power and life abundant, even life everlasting. That's that's how spiritual friendship forms us. We experience the deepest and richest things in life because the Holy Spirit's showing up. And when the Holy Spirit shows up, we get blessing and life, heaven on earth, a piece of God's presence right here where we actually live That's how it forms us. So how do we practice it? We're all about practicing these things. Every week we give you some homework. We tell you to go practice this spiritual practice for this week. How do we practice it? How are we going to practice spiritual friendship? Ready? I got a shotgun approach for you in the next couple of minutes. First, take the initiative. Take the initiative to enter in, to spend time, to have a relationship like this, to engage in a relationship, to, to start one. Take the initiative. These things just don't happen. It is way easier for me to make friends with a server at a Mexican restaurant or a chairlift uh, ride, a skier on the chairlift than it is to engage in a meaningful, significant, ongoing, committed relationship of spiritual friendship. So I gotta take initiative to make sure that happens in my life. I I didn't count my Facebook friends. I didn't go check my number when I did those statistics, but I'm probably somewhere in that norm. So I got hundreds of people in my life and I have 12 to 15, the ability to probably conceptualize about 150 of them, and I got 12 to 15 that I can probably be engaged with 
are some of them, are some of them intentional, strategic, spiritual friends that help each other grow, see God. I gotta take the initiative to make sure that that happens. We don't, we don't like taking the initiative. We wait, we wait, we hope something happens. If it doesn't happen, that's our excuse, that's our out. We wait and we think, you know what, I'd love to take initiative, but if I did and then I got shot down, that would be the worst. And plus, they would initiate if they really wanted it, and they're not, and so we don't. We're the worst. We're so messed up in our heads. We take the initiative. It's the only way to break that cycle. Two, get spiritual. Take the initiative, get spiritual. Meaning, when we start to engage in these relationships that we have, they can become this practice of spiritual friendship if we get it spiritual, if we invite the presence of the Holy Spirit into the middle of it, if it becomes a sacramentally significant kind of a relationship, if we invite the presence of God in that thing. I have stories for every one of these about relationships that have moved beyond the surface, moved beyond some joy, moved beyond some friendship into this level of spiritual friendship that is the spiritual practice. I have stories about each of these, but, but all of them, uh, there's, it's some place, it's some time you actually get spiritually vulnerable and you go, you know what, let's just ask God to be present with us right now. You know, we've been talking and you've been moaning about how difficult your marriage is right now. I know it. Like, let's, let's talk about where God is in that. What's God saying to you? And we get spiritual. We just recognize that this isn't just about, oh, we're buddies. And this could be happening on the ball field or this could be happening in the bar with anybody else. But this is a spiritual friend. Let's get spiritual about it. Let's invite God into the conversation. How else do I practice it? You go deep. You go deep. I mean, deep like heart level deep, like the real you kind of deep. First Peter 1, Peter says to his, the people he wrote to, now that you've purified yourselves by um, having sincere love for your brothers and sisters, I mean, you have, you have, it's real. He said, now love one another deeply from the heart. And now that you've purified yourselves by, by well, actually says, now that you've purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for your brothers, that's good. You, that's obedient. You've got real love. It's true. Now love one another deeply from the heart. There's another level. It's real. It's deep. It's heart level. It's the you showing up. It's the all that's in you showing up. There is no cure for our lack of intimacy in our world except you just choosing to be vulnerable in some of these relationships. There's no cure. And everyone knows that cliff of vulnerability that you're on one side of it at one point in your relationship and somewhere along the line you're like, you know, if I was to be real, I'd share this, but I'm not, not going to do that. But you know that difference when you do step over that cliff and take your chances with what happens in terms of that vulnerability. That's the real stuff. That's what's going to be required. If we're going to invite God into this deal, I'm telling you, God already knows that stuff. And so we're going to need to get deep. Go deep. How else? Be faithful. Be faithful slash committed. This is an intentional commitment, this spiritual practice is. Like all spiritual practices, it's a discipline. And we're going to be faithful to it. What did Jesus say about his, to his disciples? 
um, in John 15. He said, greater love has no one than this, that a man or a woman lay down their life for a friend. I mean, Jesus came, preached love, and he goes, and in the end of it, there's no greater love than this that you lay down your life. That, friends, is commitment and faithfulness. That's commitment and faithfulness. Here's something that I know about working with men and that, that, that being engaged in, in, in men's ministry and being engaged in a lot of counseling with men and a lot of friendships with men. Here's what, I, here's what I know, that most men have some version of what we call the all alone wound. That the enemy has shot an arrow deep into their soul that communicates this message, I guess I'm on my own. And nearly everything in our culture ends up supporting that lie. And so they live alone. They don't step over into vulnerability because they go, nobody wants to hear that. I, I'm, I'm probably all alone in this. It explains a lot about the differences between masculine and feminine genders in our culture in particular, the all alone wound. But you think about it, men don't need somebody who's going to bail on them. If men are going to step into a relationship, in particular men, if men are going to step into a relationship, then we're going to need to be faithful and committed to one another so they don't go, there's somebody, see, I'm on my own. I'm doing this on my own. So we're faithful. How else do we practice it? We give courage. We give courage in this relationship. We give courage, Hebrews 3.13, but encourage one another daily. As long as it's called today. Like, don't let the sun go down. If it's still called today, go and encourage. Encourage one another daily as long as it is called today. Listen, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Our hardening of our hearts, the way that sin lies to us, the being encumbered by sin in our lives, friends, happens because we're not encouraged. That's what the scriptures just teach there. Encouragement keeps us free from sin locking us into its grip and lies locking us into their grip. So we encourage one another. Man, we need that from one another. And by the way, it goes without saying, but we do not need the opposite we do not need to be around negative people, pessimistic people. We need people around who are going to encourage us with what's true. That's how we practice it. We become encouragers as a spiritual friend. Do more, pursue honesty. We pursue honesty. We pursue honesty with ourselves in these relationships. We share even the hard stuff. We share even the hard stuff. I had a small group that um, was just getting going a couple of years ago, and it was at the beginning. It was one of our first few meetings, and I posed the question to the men in that group. So what's one thing that's sort of like, it's one of the things you're carrying, one of the harder things for you right now in your life? And and uh, I think I shared some, some financial concern, and somebody shared something about a thing at work, and another guy's like, I can't stop dealing with porn. And everybody was like, so we're getting real, okay. Spiritual practice of spiritual friendship is about inviting God into the very real stuff. So we're going to get honest with ourselves, and we're going to share the hard stuff too, not just the good stuff. A lot of our friendships are built with just shining at them. Making that feel like, oh, I guess I'm okay. And it makes you feel that way for about a half hour after being together. And then reality comes back. So being honest with yourself, but also being honest with them. Proverbs 27, 6 says, faithful are the wounds of a friend. 
you can trust a friend's wounding of you, even if it hurts because they're a friend. You can't ever trust all the compliments of an enemy, the verse goes on to say. The kisses of an enemy multiply. You don't even know what to do with it. But if a friend wounds you, it's real. And you can trust it. So we get honest with people. We need people that are honest with us. And last, we show grace. That's how we practice it. We show grace. We show grace. Proverbs 17, 17 says, A friend loves at all times. No matter what you share, no matter how badly you're doing, a friend loves at all times. You see the picture? Do you get that picture? So reflecting this morning, do you have those friendships? Do you have those spiritual friendships? If not, I hope it's time for you to, to, to initiate and begin to build one or two. And if so, are you investing in this practice in an intentional, faithful way? Getting spiritual, going deep, being faithful, giving courage, pursuing honesty, showing grace, etc. Is it time for you to engage in this practice? So as a, as a, as a way to begin that this morning, uh, that's the end of my sermon, but before we, uh, we let you go, we want you to spend just a moment reflecting on it. Here's a question I want you to ask yourself first. Whose friendship helps you see and engage with God? I just want you, before you walk out of here, I want you to think of this. Whose friendship helps you see and engage with God? Or do you think could possibly do so? I want you to come up with one, two, three at the most names, right where you are. Whose friendship helps you see and engage with God, or you suspect that it would? Got that in your head? You see that person? Or are you realizing there isn't one at this point? Here's what I'm going to challenge you to do in our last two minutes together. I want you to pull the envelope out of the chair in the back of you. We're going to write a letter. You're like, no, yes, write a letter. <laughs> I'm not going to let you go until you've all done it. And here's the prompt on writing the letter. Write a note of initiation or of investment. What are my prompts there on the screen, Jim? I don't remember what I put there. What's the next? Write a note of initiation or investment. This could be a friend that you're already engaged with, connected with in this practice. How can you invest in that? Or it could be this is somebody that you want to initiate the growing of a relationship with. And here's some prompts. Dear so-and-so, I appreciate this about you. I'm inspired by I've learned from you. Let's get some time together. God has you on my heart. To that person, and you can go home later and text it, you can go home and email it, you can go home and put it in the mail, which would be cool, but take two minutes and jot a note to that person that you want to initiate or invest in a spiritual friendship. And the Jeopardy music will play right now, and we're going to take a minute or two to do this.
I like how some of you, I like how some of you went right to your uh, electronic versions. Good work. Maybe this is just the beginning of you. I'm certain you didn't finish that, uh, that note. Um, but it's the beginning of an investment, an initiation or an investment in the practice of spiritual friendship. Your homework is to finish that letter. Your homework is to send that off to somebody in an old school or a new school sort of way. And to be asking God to help you be the kind of spiritual friend that your spiritual friend needs. And see how God comes to form you. It'd be fun for you to reflect on your friendships this week. So some of you are still writing and taking notes. We'll leave that, uh, that prompt on the, on the screen. But why don't you stand and let me send you out with this blessing. Well, your spiritual bag's getting heavy. You are carrying silence and the practice of silence and fasting. Some of you are doing a Lenten fast. If you didn't decide to fast at Lent, guess what? You can start right now. Again, I checked the rule book. It's totally fair to jump in right now and go through Easter with us. Uh, the practice of worship and now the practice of spiritual friendship. Here's what Aaron did when he was anointed with the precious oil. He stood over God's people and he said, ah, the presence of the Holy Spirit is here. And I want to invite you into it. He didn't say that. I'm, re I'm reading that into it. And then he said, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you. May God see you. His face see you. His presence see you and may he grant you his peace. Go bring that blessing and that experience to one another as spiritual friends. God bless you guys as you go.